What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. We've all thought, at one point or another, that we felt like we could read someone else's mind. Whether it be from the context of their vocal tone, the facial expressions that they convey, or the emotions that are shared in one way or another, it all comes down to knowing what you know. What if you could read their mind? Knowing what other people are thinking is one of the superpowers that many have thought would be great to have. And inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, we find out more about why maybe that want is something you don't want. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 5, Stick It In Your Ear. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, we got a ton to get to inside this episode. Time for the retell. Let's get to it. A car driving feverishly through the streets of Canada. A man inside the car with something stuck in his ear grinds to a halt. And he says, Please, stop, no more. He screams as he enters into his audiologist's office. Help me. Get this thing out of my head now. Get it out. He continues to scream. And as he says this, he pulls out whatever is in his ear and... <gasps> it's the long bloody tendrils of the cursed object featured inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. He then dies. <sighs> I don't think hearing aids are supposed to do that, Mike. Over at the Curious Good Shop, Jack is urging Mickey to hurry up because it's time for an auction. Johnny's over at the desk writing about, you guessed it, a Bigfoot rescue. Woohoo! He's writing yet another fiction offering. You see, apparently Johnny is actually an aspiring writer. Mickey and Jack are heading to an estate auction where six of the many Cursed by the Devil items were acquired. The man that died, he was an investment banker. A hard of hearing investment banker, apparently. And they need to get those items before someone else does and dies. Somewhere else across Canada inside of a performance club, there is an audience. A blindfolded man sits center stage. He tries to guess what's being shown to him through the blindfold. He detects that it is a photograph of a son. The crowd goes wild. You see, Phil is the spokesperson for Adam, the supposed alleged mind reader. Both of them play off each other's compliments to woo the crowd who eventually applaud for what they see and experience. Time to guess another item. This one is a beautiful woman. Of course it is. And the crowd once again offers adulation. And as Phil continues to speak, Adam's hearing is apparently failing him. The words fall in and out of clarity because, you see, Adam is losing his hearing. <gasps> uh, Phil, can you repeat the question? I said, what else can you tell me? 
Adam is apparently losing his hearing, and during the act, the crowd goes restless. Do you really want me to tell you that the woman that you're standing by is not wearing a wedding ring, but the man she's with is? As Phil and Adam's show comes to a conclusion, Adam heads off stage, dejected, frustrated, and apparently losing his hearing. Phil and Adam have a spat back in the dressing room. You're getting a hearing aid. I will not. It's me they're coming to see, and I gotta keep these good looks. You were nothing before I joined you. The bottom line here is that both need each other, and Phil urges Adam to not blow it. Later, as Adam goes to visit the audiologist's office, just like everybody else should, amazingly, it's the same doctor from the first piece inside of this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Mm, but that's not important right now. The doctor says, Well, it looks like a hearing aid will help you. Adam would rather have the surgery, but he realizes that with the hearing aid, he'll likely be able to hear. No, no, you will be able to hear. I'm an audiologist, and I just told you, you'd be able to hear with a hearing aid. A call on line three interrupts Adam's appointment. Excuse me, I've got to go answer this phone call. Take a look at what we have here in the hearing aid department. Pick one out. Adam looks through the variety of hearing aids that are available. Not too impressive, however... Adam hears a heart beating from inside of a drawer inside of the doctor's office. He opens the drawer to see a pulsating, different-looking hearing aid. He picks it up. He holds it very close to his ear. Instantly, he's able to hear better. He can hear the doctor in the other room on the phone with the non-important call that we won't bother covering inside this episode. No, not that one. That belonged to another patient. And it's an antique. One of the first cordless models ever. I'm going to leave you unattended now and go down the hall to find a file. As the doctor departs to go find a file or something, Adam grabs the hearing aid he's not supposed to touch and or take and takes it. Later inside the club, he and Phil are going over tonight's cues that will please the crowd during this next charade. Phil then notes that there's a very special audience member inside the audience. It's a very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady who can really change things inside the game. She's out there now, and time to knock them dead. The show proceeds. From the first contestant, Adam Devines, it's a wristwatch. The crowd goes wild. Can you tell me the make, says Phil. Well, it's a Rolex, but it's an imitation. The crowd goes wild again. Phil moves to the next very special guest woman and identifies her from the previous discussion. As he does, Adam begins hearing more voices. He's hearing all of the voices inside the crowd, as if all of their voices are speaking at once. Why is my drink so thin? I wish that itching would go away. Adam suddenly begins to scream. Shut up, all of you. The hearing aid continues to pulsate. Suddenly, one story begins to stand out inside the many being shared inside of Adam's mind. At the back of the room, a dark-clad figure garners Adam's attention. Hmm. As the thoughts come in, Adam suddenly says, You'd kill yourself if anyone found out about your cousin. Adam has just identified the man that's murdered his cousin that's inside the club's audience. The hearing aid continues to pulsate as Adam delivers more of the horrific impossible-to-know details of the man that was murdered by the audience member. You still got the gun. What are you going to do with that last bullet? The man pulls the gun and fires it in Adam's direction. <laughs> Suddenly, in a few minutes, Adam learns that he's gone from worst to first, but also now suffers from a not-so-mysterious bubbling tumor hive thingy on the side of his neck. Adam storms out of the club, wincing in pain as his neck continues to bubble. Stumbling down the foggy streets of Canada, Adam makes his way somewhere. Back at the Curious Good Shop, our daring trio have been able to recover five of the six items. What's left? 
A hearing aid! This jogs Johnny's memory about a newspaper article that he's just recently read. Something about a hearing aid, an explodey death, and... Maxwell? Huh? Time to dig deeper into what's going on. Adam finally arrives back at his audiologist's office, where huh, Jack is actually calling the office at the same time. Get away from me. Let me go. I was on the phone with somebody. Adam stares deeply into the eyes of the audiologist as his neck begins to pulsate, as the doctor winces in pain. Apparently, because of the cursed hearing aid, all of the thoughts of the people inside the audience are now transferring into the brain of the audiologist, relieving the pressure from our not-so-dear Adam. Blood starts to seep from the doctor's eyes as he drops dead to the floor. <laughs> With the doctor's death, the cantankerous voices inside of Adam's head are now silent. On the phone, overhearing the ruckus, Jack, Mickey, and Johnny head over to the doctor's office to see what's become of Dr. Reisbeck, the audiologist. He's dead! Across town, inside the hotel room of the same young, very special, drop-dead, gorgeous, talent, agent, producer lady, she welcomes Adam with a bottle of champagne? Your first appointment is at 11. You can risk a little drinky drink. And the door closes slowly and lovemaking ensues. Over at the audiologist's office, Jack and Johnny are rifling through drawers to find the missing hearing aid. It's not there! Neither are the concerns for fingerprints or trace evidence, but <laughs> that's not important right now. Mickey stumbles upon the appointment book, and here's the plan! Time to contact all of the audiologist's most recent patients to find out what happened. I'm down with that plan, especially since there's no internet. Back inside a now-must-hotel room, post-lovemaking, of course. Adam and the very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady are learning more about mind-reading. According to Adam's mind-reading skills, he knows that she wants to run the show and make real things happen for Adam in his career. Adam calls Phil and learns that offers are pouring in after last night's performance. All kinds of deals! Adam shares... Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. But guess what? I'm not coming home. I'm a single act now, baby. Don't need the cues or your crap anymore, Phil. Phil is beside himself knowing that the door is about to close on his future and fame. A crestfallen Phil hears a knock at the door. It's Jack Marshak. Man of investigating audiologist's death action. Phil shares with Jack that he's recently disconnected from Adam. Jack shares that the doctor that Adam saw yesterday was murdered. He's over on the Stan Elliott show now. Hopefully, you'll be able to get a seat after standing in line. Jack rushes off to share the information with Johnny and Mickey that tonight, Adam will be on the top show in the country. Time for Mickey and Johnny to dig in, but Jack cautions them. Be careful. Remember... Adam can read your mind. That night on the Stan Elliott Show, Adam's thumping hearing aid continues as his truth-telling skill sets spread like wildfire inside the show. One of his most masterful acts was to identify a soon-to-be bride and groom, and the crowd once again goes wild! Now it's time to talk about knowing what people are thinking. Time to read the talk show host's mind! As he's reading Stan Elliott's mind, suddenly he's reading Mickey's mind. He knows everything that's going on. Oh, no! The jig, as they say, is up. As the show wraps, Adam is reading his very own special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady's mind, and it's time for more lovemaking. They head to Adam's dressing room for undressing. Time to ponder coming back to the Stan Elliott show. Well, he'll come back, all right, as long as she is the producer of the show. You see, he knows what the talk show host, Stan Elliott, is thinking about his current producer. He's a bozo and wants him gone. Time to trust Adam's requests as they head for more lovemaking. As they arrive back at the dressing room, hey, look, it's Phil. We were partners. I should have been part of this. 
Phil's whining continues until he shares just a bit too much. Phil thinks that Adam is a no-count loser, but also learns that people are looking for the murderers of the audiologists across town. Adam's neck begins to pulsate. He covers the trembling growth with his hand, and Phil leaves. Mickey arrives. Adam can read everything she's thinking, and Adam begins plotting the fall of Mickey. You see, it's all part of the plan. Mickey explains to Johnny that she's using her thoughts as bait to lure Adam to them. Soon thereafter, Adam is trailing Mickey as Johnny is close behind inside of the rolls. The bends. Unfortunately, Johnny is paying too much attention to the murderous mentalist and almost hits a couple walking down the foggy Canadian street. And his defense, they kind of almost hit him. He was only going five miles an hour. A cop holds up Johnny. Curses! License and registration, please. Now, Mickey is all alone. Adam trails close behind her. Adam overtakes Mickey, and Buddy drops her into a pile of trash. Mickey lets Adam have it, but he gives it right back. Suddenly, Johnny appears to scare off Adam in the rolls. The bends. Adam then scampers off into the Canadian fog. Back at the Curious Goods shop, they're tending to Mickey. Consider yourselves very lucky. I did some digging, and the curse on this hearing aid is that it allows the wearer to read a person or person's thoughts, but those thoughts must be expunged or they will die. No one is safe until they find Adam. Back at Phil's apartment, Adam bursts through the door, groaning in pain. The pulsating, throbbing neck wound tumor thingy wants to release all of the grand thoughts that Adam has collected via the cursed hearing aid. And he does! As Phil walks into the room, Adam latches onto his shoulders, and the energy, pain, and ugliness of the collected mind thoughts is shoved all at once into <laughs> Phil's tiny little mind. It kills Phil, just like it killed the audiologist. The very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady witnesses all of it. All that matters is you and I. Suddenly, she realizes that Adam knows everything she's thinking. It's a newfound commitment that she's not sure she's ready for. But that's not important right now. Back at her apartment, Adam confirms that money and power are what very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady desires. Adam can give it to her. Can she bring herself to accept the terror that awaits to receive newfound treasure and fame? Yep. News over the wire. The Stan Elliott Show will offer $50,000 to anybody that can prove Adam is not actually reading minds. Hmm. Jack, Mickey, and Johnny decide that they need to ask Adam's former partner some questions to help find out more information. Hmm, there's only one big problem with that, and we're sure that you don't have to read our minds to know what the answer is. Adam is backstage, making the rounds, and reads the mind of the gent that actually runs the studio. The good news? He'll give Adam everything he wants, but the ratings have got to be high. Jack, Mickey, and Johnny arrive at Phil's apartment and just walk in. Why not? Door was open. I mean, it wasn't locked. Mickey spies some blood. That's not a good thing. And the three of them find Phil. Rolled up in a sleeper couch, that is. Over at the Stan Elliott Show, it's time for Stan's one guest. Guess who? Adam. Mickey, Jack, and Johnny head for the studio. Jack shares. I have the beginnings of a plan. It seems he can only read one mind at a time. Perhaps if there's three of us, we can keep him distracted. Inside the studio, Adam continues to read the crowd's minds. And as he does, his neck begins to pulsate. Mickey, Jack, and Johnny arrive at the studio and are quickly ushered into the dressing room by the very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady. Suddenly, the dressing room door locks behind Mickey, Jack, and Johnny. <gasps> it's a trap! 
On stage, Adam continues his act and continues to magically divine cool things that assert his mind-reading power. As the show breaks for commercial, Adam rushes off the stage again in pain, terrible pain. Adam confronts his very special drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady, lady friend, and realizes that he has to dump the thoughts somewhere and, well, it's gonna be her! As he does, her eyes, you guessed it, they begin to seep blood, and suddenly Adam is nice and whole once again. After dumping her body, he returns back to the stage and begins reading minds and impressing everyone. Amazing! Still! Ooh! Ah! Kreskin's better. Jack is finally able to pull the door off the hinges from one of the many tricks he learned in the service, and they find the now very dead, very special, drop-dead gorgeous talent agent producer lady. Murdered! Adam continues his mind-reading greatness for the television audience and wonders who will be the next challenger. I challenge you. Hey, look! It's Jack Marshak! Man of challenging cursed item users on national television action. Adam already knows his name, of course. What's hidden in your mind that I shouldn't know, Mr. Marshak? I challenge you to take off that hearing aid. When I was a young magician, I knew mentalists. They used prompts by having a hearing aid and someone feeding them information. Prove that you are legitimate and take off the hearing aid. Adam begins hearing other people's minds in the audience and their growing disbelief. His neck begins to bubble and pulsate. The side of his face begins to also bubble and pulsate. This continues to grow, as does both sides of his face. Then his entire face, and then live on screen. Adam falls to the ground. Blood begins to pour from his head, and eventually he pulls the hearing aid out along with the same floppy devil-cursed tendrils we'd seen previously from his head and dies. Johnny confiscates the hearing aid and leaves without a trace, making the cursed item... Recovered! Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. It's time to focus on the good. Let the pulsating tumor thingy whatever commence. Wow. Mm -hmm. If you were ever looking for that fun piece of late 80s, early 90s practical effects, you've just found it. Gotta love the bladder effect. Yeah. Uh, If not the bladder inside the hearing aid, Mm -hmm. then the bladder inside of any of the necks and or face pieces that were used inside of this episode. Super thick. In your face, all over the place. And, and I think what I liked most is that it wasn't the same gig on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it even looked like they had different pieces for uh, Adam as it progressed and got bigger and whatever else. Right. I, I liked that it wasn't just one same thing, and then he was dead. Mm-hmm. It, it was cool that it grew and became into some, and became something else as time went by. And again, extraordinary and, and grotesque. That's what I really took from it was that there was no way to look at it and go, oh, wow, yeah, Mm, yeah, show me more. It was something that you almost wanted to look away from every time you saw it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the great thing about it was is that you get get it right in your face the first two minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. So you know what's in store for anybody that puts the hearing aid on. It's like, oh, wow. So not only does it, you know, make make your your head pulse and bubble and whatever the hell that was, Mm -hmm. but then... We, we were making fun of it during the retail while we were coming up with the retailing is is what is that is that a is that a rod is that a is it a shaft no it's more of a tendril the the, the hearing aid had a, <laughs> a a fleshy tendril that evidently bores into into the into the brain not the ball worms yeah it's so it, oh man I, I I really miss the use of practical effects and I yeah. gotta say, yeah. Uh, we're at five episodes in, and season three, I feel like they've upped their, their special effects game. Kicking ass and taking names, for sure. 
an unapologetic villain. Now, call me crazy, but I love it when we get the bad guy and that's it. There is no going back. There is no lighter heart Mm -hmm. to fall back on because the person that's been overtaken by yet another cursed good is actually a good person at heart. We don't have any of that in this episode. Yeah. And I appreciate the episodes when we get that because I I really do want the bad guys to get badder and then I want them to get theirs. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's instantly more satisfying. I understand the the want to try and drag emotion through making someone that acquires or is in proximity of one of the cursed good items that is then overtaken by them. I get that. Well, crippled inside. Our yeah. previous episode is a perfect example this of that. This is just instantly more satisfying to me because it's hmm. it's the good and the bad, and who's going to win or not. And I, I love this. I, I absolutely love this. Right. This episode is more cut and dry of the whole good and evil type of a thing. There's no ambiguous gray area here. This is somebody who finds something that gives him a huge leg up to further his his wants and desires and he does not care what or who he has to go through to achieve those things all right i'm sold the seeds of real teamwork i believe it or not we're five episodes into the third season Mm -hmm. and here is the wonder triplets powers activated where we're beginning to see how each of them stair steps into whatever their skill sets are to go and foster the the goings on inside of a mission. Right. We're not worried about Mickey and Jack. They know each other's moves by now. It's inserting Johnny. Mm-hmm. And there were some hiccups here, but it wasn't like Johnny was a bumbling idiot trying to work with them. It was, oh man, you know, Johnny, you have to make sure that you're paying attention to everything. It's all about Unagi, Johnny. Total situational awareness. Had you been paying attention, you would have noticed the people walking in front of you, even though you were only driving five miles an hour, Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have been stopped by the police officer, which means you would have been there to get Adam, and Mickey wouldn't have had to get all rough and tumble. Yeah. But then we also don't have the peril of the plan not going according to plan. Yeah. Which is nice, because in storytelling, you and I have talked about it before, and I, I know you hate it when it's all part of the plan Mm -hmm. yeah but it's great when that plan falls apart yes and we actually got to see mickey kick a little ass which i love yeah and and do a a bunch of front-end decision making all Mm -hmm. on her own yeah she explains what she is doing to someone else rather than she's just going along with a piece of a plan that was divined by somebody else right and i i really appreciated that it was it was a nice little as you're watching the story, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. She didn't think at all that he was going to read her mind. What it's a like, like what, what, why didn't you listen to Jack? Come on, shut your brain yeah. off. Start thinking of lady I, things. I, I like that. G- giving us a, a little bit of self-dissension there. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. But that was great. That's where we ask you guys, what did you think was good inside this episode? Let us know by going over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you thought was good about this episode. Every episode of Friday the 13th, the series, has its goods and its bads. We've covered the good. Now let's take a look at the not-so-good. Eh, what forensic evidence? (laughs) Law enforcement (laughs) fails again. You know, like, I, 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 I... I just like they I, I, don't I, I, even want to in, include law enforcement in it anymore, <laughs> so we just gloss over the fact now. I, I'm, I'm totally biased because of the content that I produce often, and I, 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 I get it. I get it, but it, it it bugs me that like not only not only do they show up. Let's just say let's just pick on Phil because he's easy. <laughs> they show up in Phil's apartment. Hey, look! Be sure you touch the doorknob and. Push open the door. Okay. Can't possibly be anything wrong going on here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just go and look around. Okay, sure, why not? No, what what could go wrong? And as they walk in, it's just like nothing is going on. Like they don't they don't even care. Like as long as you close the door and as long as we leave and nobody ever sees us, then everything will be just fine. Right. When this is like on the cusp of back then when nobody cared or knew about trace evidence that wasn't involved in law enforcement regularly. Mm -hmm. And because there was nothing like the internet and proliferation of information, 
nobody really thought about it unless you were educated about it, and so it didn't really matter. Right. And it was just a it was a piece of plot telling device that no one used because nobody really knew about it. Unless you were doing a police procedural, and even then, you didn't go into that stuff back then. Right, and back then, there were cops and detectives and people all over the place. Nobody had gloves on. Nobody was making sure there was a a chain of evidence of anything. Oh, yeah, and everybody was was eating eating donuts. Let let us not forget the the trope of the uh, the coroner who's always eating something when the cops- Smoking a cigarette or whatever, yeah. yeah. I, it's. I know we we poke fun of it because, but but it is something that today, if the show was made, all of this stuff would have to be taken into account. Yeah. Or else the show would not make sense. Yeah. It, it's it's where I I'm reasonably certain that one of the people, if the show was rebooted, or if it was revisited, one of the people would have to be either former law enforcement, or they would have to know, or like they were a private investigator or something where one of them would have to know that and then assert that every now and then for maybe someone that isn't as knowledgeable about what kind of trace evidence can be left if you go and investigate Or, or maybe just somebody who's a really big fan of any of the CSI shows. Yeah. Yes. No, no question. And and I I miss that. I, I miss that it, it's so prolific now. I miss that. I miss that. And it leaves kind of a hole inside of the episodes, I think. Johnny Ventura, not-so-clear character development. So, very similar to the forensic stuff, because, you know, that's how things were back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're picking on Johnny because, again, for the most part, there's a lot of dislike and hate for the character of Johnny Ventura replacing Ryan Dallion and being a part of Season 3. Mm-hmm. As of right now... I can't say that I hate Johnny Ventura. I don't. I still miss Ryan, mm-hmm. but that's because I'm a big fan of John D. LeMay. Mm-hmm. But Johnny, I feel, has, as a character being introduced to replace another character, the progression has been all right. Except at this point, because when we see Johnny at the beginning of this episode, he's he's typing away. What you writing there, Johnny? Is it for is it for the shop? Is are you writing some you know like a an invoice or something like that? You doing some work? You you earning that paycheck? No, he's he's writing a story that's based off of a headline that he read in a tabloid about how Bigfoot rescued somebody from aliens, and then he makes the comment to Jack and Mickey that well you know I'm not allowed to write about the things we do here. And he's dismissed like, well, yes, because, you know, the things we do here, no one would believe. So is Johnny Ventura a writer? And if he is, what does he write? Is he, like, a, a fiction writer, like, for, for magazine articles, like, or, for uh, Reader's Digest or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or Canadian's Digest? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Or does he write, try to write books? I want well, to know uh, more, and uh, they don't give us enough here. I'm under the impression they, they only allude to it because the word fiction is used here, and that mm. he is a fiction writer. That was shared inside of it, and so there's a piece. So maybe he is a fiction writer, and he's utilizing this to as, as the seed generation moments of what will be his next story that he sells. I don't right. know. But I feel I, like this needed to be something explored a little bit more than just a half-handed 30-second conversation yeah. if this is johnny's other life you know here's what i do for the shop but then i also do this and do model ships at my apartment i'm absolutely on board picking on this where it kind of falls apart is and so what had they done previously for the other characters for more than say a minute and with the exception of jack not really uh ryan had ryan had a lot of art stuff right he was a sculptor mickey they'll give hey look another friend from college that's going to die inside this episode and i mean really that's about it what else does mickey do exactly well then lump them all in there fine we won't just pick on johnny give us more character development about what you we'll see where mickey where mickey is concerned she doesn't do anything anymore it is all about the shop she is an antique shop owner but what did she do back when she was engaged and going to you know start her brand new life i, I don't think that she actually but do we did really, anything i don't think we really talked about it <laughs> I, I don't either and and that's that, that that right there is a slap to the show as well but yeah. for here 
now, especially with all of this great development that's going on, a whole new sub-level to the shop, Mm -hmm. and now a new character to explore, now's the time to actually start focusing on this stuff. And I really hope we get more of that for all of the characters, not just Johnny Ventura. Fostering Hate and Shame, The Tale of Hearing Aids. Something inside of this episode that struck me, and it's because from, believe it or not, from 1985 until only four years ago, I was a hearing aid wearer. Mm -hmm. And something that is fomented inside of this episode is something that I dealt with all during my high school years. And it's that because you had hearing aids, there was something defective about you. Mm. In fact, the Navy, while being a a competition-level athlete in high school, I was not good enough for the Navy because of my hearing aids. And I'm like, okay, what about all those World War II vets that all now have hearing aids? Exactly. Because they've been doing their jobs for decades, even after all of that's going on. So I, I, I didn't make a big deal of it back then. But what was, and I guess a little bit is, still a big piece of what's showcased inside of this is that if you have a hearing aid on, you're somehow different or Mm. you are seen as different. And you are. There's no question. Uh, I think probably the the best sample I can give everybody is my kind of in the middleness everywhere. Because as someone that wore hearing aids, not only did I get the hate and shame from those who are hearing – But I also got the hate and shame from those who are deaf because you're not actually deaf if you have hearing aids. Mm. You are not hearing if you have hearing aids. So that whole middle of the ground everything is a very, very strange bubble. But it is preyed upon inside this episode because that's what Adam doesn't want. He doesn't want anybody to doubt his looks. and I mean, the guy is gorgeous. Let's, Let's all face it. Adam was a gorgeous man. But overcoming that, oh, you have a hearing aid on, is something that is still going on to this day. Because how much smaller can we make hearing aids? Well, why is it you're making hearing aids smaller? Is it so that they can be better? No. Is it so that you can put them in your pocket easier? Um, No, again. Is it because they're cosmetically going to be better if nobody can see them? Oh, well, that's got to be it. So... It's something I wanted to mention inside of this because the vast majority of you are probably not wearing hearing aids right now as you listen, and you likely won't until you don't care about what you heard about 15 or 20 years ago as you get older and need hearing aids. But it's something that I wanted to mention because it's what this show does. It takes what is and then builds on top of it. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it was the, the building of hate and shame on those that wear hearing aids. Yeah, that there are so many episodes so far that fall into that category because it well it, it's all about vanity as well, right. but that's also the society that we, in it, which we live in. It, it is. We'd all it like is. to believe that it's gotten better over the years, and it hasn't. It's right. it still is about vanity. No matter no matter how many inspiring posts you're going to get from. A deaf person, a blind person, a fat person, a black person, right. a yellow person. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's still an issue. Yeah. And it's it's one that I we, we always talk about, you're like, when are we going to get to those Star Trek days? We're, We're not. Right. And I, I hate to break it to everybody. We aren't. It's it's <laughs> never so going to happen. Right. You're, you're going to have to learn how to get by, how to sustain yourself, and how to really let the punches come and then let them roll off because they aren't going to stop coming. It's, it's just, it's something you're going to have to live with. And I, again, I wanted to make sure that we just touch on that inside this episode because it's, it's in your face. Well, those are the things that we thought were bad inside this episode of Friday, the 13th, the series, but we want to know what you thought could have used a little bit of polish. Head on over to our website at curiousgoodspodcast.com fill out the contact form and let us know it's time to take a quick break here during the curious goods podcast our focus on season three episode five stick it in your ear we will be right back (laughs) 
Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. This is John D. LeMay, and you're listening to the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and an always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 3, Episode 5. Stick it. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to unveil our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside this episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got, friend? My manifest moment for this episode has got to be Mickey Foster. Badass. <laughs> and it's about time. <laughs> Uh, not not to say that Mickey has not asserted herself when the time comes in past episodes, but definitely not enough. Mm -hmm. If I were retooling this show, knowing what I know, and then, you know, transferring it, modernizing it, when the character of Mickey Foster realizes that she's going to be going up against possible evil forces of the devil, maybe Mickey starts taking... Krav Maga, kickboxing classes, some sort of self-defense class so that she can better handle herself in a situation where, therefore, she does not have to rely on anybody else. Whether they be male or female, she can take care of herself. What about this is a really out-of-left-field storytelling element? She is an amateur or professional MMA fighter who then is thrust into needing to take on the family business because uh, the only left legacy person inside of her family died and left her her portion of the of the business. And so she's got to just take it over. And that her kicking ass happens to be a skill set she's already got. I say, I, I would love stuff like that. I would love for there to be some very focused compartmentalization of character development mm -hmm. that's done with a reboot of this show so that you can incorporate things like that. And then rather than it becoming a bullet point, like, my God, how does Mickey kick ass? Well, that's how. Yeah, and it's just right. done. And it, it, it becomes, she becomes a formidable figure without needing to be thrust into that, okay, it's time to make the woman incredibly powerful because go girls. I don't want that. I want just, the, she's powerful. Yeah, but. She, she has a skill set and uh, she kicks ass. Okay, period. fine. You got a skill set. But now let's say this show runs for five seasons. Sure. Where's her personal story going? You have to think about that as well, where right. modern storytelling, especially she, episodic stuff like this. Right. She has to learn more about the inner workings of what the devil has wrought, which uh -huh. is totally against, again, we're just coming up off the top of our heads. True. Uh, it's totally against, well, if I punch someone in the face, they fall to the ground. Pretty straightforward and sciencey, where everything with a devil, nothing is based on science. 
nothing. Nothing of what we saw with the rod-like, floppy, bloody tendril thing that comes mm. out of the hearing aid. None of that is based in science. Right. And so it's something that you you would have to stop and try and wrap your mind around as someone that is not ever experienced anything like that. And I think that that oozes character development. It, it, do, yeah, it, it does. It I, I agree with you. The thing is, though, is that without tiptoeing on the boundaries of your I don't want anybody to have superpowers aspect, mm-hmm. you have to you have to allow for things to progress as well. Sure, if Mickey can kick ass at the very beginning, fine. But she needs to learn other skills. Oh, yeah. I agree. And she needs to have other experiences. Same with every other character that's yes. in the show. There I needs to be a progression, not just, I'm going to learn a little bit of past information here and there. Right. That that works for a it, show like it, this. It's the piece of humanity that's delivered with being able to flesh out an incredibly thick, already character like Jack Marshak. Where Jack already has oozes of... Every manner of worldly experience mm-hmm. ever, from being just an older dude to being a special former special forces dude to being the knowledge base of our show. But then they also allow him mostly not not a not a ton, but they allow him to begin incorporating these other things that he might learn about during the show that don't deal directly with him, but deal with the things around him that he incorporates into his knowledge base. Mm-hmm. I That's Jack's character growth without needing to go, okay, and here's a here's a new leg for Jack to learn about, which I think would be cool. I just don't know how they didn't pull it off inside this series, at least not yet. Well, and if it was updated, Jack would probably have to be someone who didn't understand modern technology that much. Right. And he could learn to, the things are a lot easier if you look it up on the internet instead of having to go through different volumes of books. But turning this back around towards Mickey, yeah, I, I want to say this. There's nothing wrong for a woman being feminine and then discovering that she needs to have an inner power to protect herself. I know that that is a very popular storytelling point, and when it is done well, it is done very well. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it has also become one of those... It's, it, it is being turned into a trope mm-hmm. that is eventually going to blow up in everybody's face. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I would rather see is somebody who is already strong and confident, but realize I need to have an edge. And instead of that whole, I'm going to rise above everything at the last second because that's what I can do for the storytelling, it makes more sense of I'm going to better myself by learning even more about me being a more powerful person. And that can be for anybody. It yeah. doesn't have to be gender specific. I agree. But where Mickey is concerned, she's the she's the hot chick. Let us not mince words. Roby was cast on this show because she was hot. Mm-hmm. She would be the eye candy. And as we heard during our interview with John, she was not complacent with just being eye candy, Mm -hmm. as she should not be. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to see a moment like this in this episode where Mickey, she comes up with the plan. She doesn't run it past anybody else. It's her plan. Everybody gets to find out about it at the same time. You know, you, me, Johnny, the rest of the audience, and then head off into the plan. Oh, crap, the plan's not going to work. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to try to save myself because nobody else is going to save my save me right now. Mm-hmm. And that is my manifest moment. My manifest moment in this one is another strange oddity. And it's because this last year in 2020 has been a strange odyssey. You and I inside of the retail were trying to approximate what exactly is going on inside the club experience. And I have to tell you, I don't remember the last time I was in a public performance club environment. I think maybe the 90s. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and I don't think I'm alone, dude. I think that there are many people nowadays, especially this last year, that don't go to clubs to do things. And so my manifest moment inside this episode is that moment of going where there would be a show that is delivered by live people 
inside of what is essentially a nightclub with a stage that isn't a formal play. I'm not talking about a theater. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a club where there's a stage and someone is performing this mentalist slash mind reading act. I, I, I don't have anything that I've done like that since probably the 1990s. I've, I've got a handful of them in the 2000 aughts. And that, that's kind of what I mean is that it, it, it's exceedingly rare and it was fun for you and I to try and visit how to explain that to people inside of the retail uh, ex- expeditiously, obviously, but that that's what struck me the most about everything that we saw here is that we're, we're, we're glancing upon this, this cultural experience that is disappearing, that, that going to see somebody do something like that inside of a club, I, I just, I don't. I know I, it's probably because I don't I don't run in the circles of people that go and do that. I, I think that's more along the lines, Mike, because, I mean, just here in St. Louis, we've got the Funny Bone and the Helium Club. And those, well, back when those places, th- those types of places were open, they were open all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, they're, they're, there's also, there are cabaret clubs, which are very similar to what we saw in this episode, where there is a bar there is seating and there is a small stage and usually it's one or two performers, the performer and the musician accompanying them, putting on whatever type show that they want. There are quite a few of those yeah. just here in the St. Louis area. But again, I think it has more to do with the circles that you run. And you, you, dude, you're also a family man. Right. So, I mean, the, most of the people that go to that are not tethered to the nine to five, raise a family, take care of the kids, blah, 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 kind of a stuff. Sure. They're also people specifically either tethered to the ones performing because it's like, oh, some such and such is performing. Let's go see them. Or I really like seeing this type of performance. So I'm going to go to any type that I can. Sure. And there are people just like that. Right. Me, I am the casual goer. I, I will go if uh, the mood strikes me mostly if it's somebody i know that's mm-hmm. performing mm-hmm. but but yeah yeah i think it's i think really it's all just about who you run with because i refer to my previous job of 13 years as a club or the club uh, because it, it is considered a nightclub but mm-hmm. nightclubs now are considered more for dancing and and the party vibe whereas nightclubs had that feel of yes there was dancing but there was also the drinking and the dining and the watching a performance so and and it may actually have something to do geographically too uh there 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 might be differences between what is considered a club and and what type of club between here where we are in the midwest Mm -hmm. and and other parts yeah very interesting. Possibly a call to the audience. Uh, I think that's a great call to the audience. Let us know what you think the definition of a club is. Be sure you visit our website to tell us what you think the definition of a club is by going over to CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. And while you're there, let us know what your manifest moments were for this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Ah, vocabulary. The words that make Mike and Nick Brain go round inside the Curious Goods podcast. Our first word inside this episode is... Audiologist. An audiologist is a professional who diagnoses and treats hearing and balance problems. An audiologist has received an AUD, that's a doctorate in audiology, or a master or doctoral degree from an accredited university graduate program in audiology. And for those of you that have never visited an audiologist, I have to tell you to go. Those of you that are going to be in usually your late 20s or 30s, you very likely have been listening, especially now, you've been listening to devices at likely a very high volume. What that's going to mean, whether you know it or not, is latent hearing loss. And what a lot of people don't understand is that when you lose pieces of your hearing, you do not recover them. Hearing damage is not something that the body somehow regenerates the pieces of hearing that are now gone, whether that either be physical damage Mm -hmm. or 
nerve damage, which actually we didn't talk about this in the episode, but I meant to. The audiologist would not be able to diagnose if somebody has nerve damage by shoving something into your eardrum. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's something that's, it, it's another piece of that myth and people not understanding what the hell is going on in regard to audiology. And that's why I would like you to go and see one. It doesn't mean that you're going to end up with hearing aids. You might. It doesn't mean that you're going deaf. What it means is that you're aware of what's going on with your body. And just like every other damn thing that you should be knowing more about inside your body, your hearing is one of the most important pieces you should not only know about, but know where it's going and how you can avoid environments that are going to take more of what you have away. So please go see an audiologist. That other piece inside of the balance part is something else that a lot of people don't understand about audiology. Uh, if you've ever met somebody that when they um, stand up quickly and they have balance problems, doesn't always mean that they're going to have heart attack or they don't exercise regularly. Very often there's a balance problem. And an audiologist is the one where all of that would start. Uh, a lot of people don't equate balance with what's going on inside your ears, but your inner ears are actually what help you understand which way is up, whether you're being turned around in circles, when you get sick, like when you're on a roller coaster or stuff. All that's happening not because of what's going on in your stomach, but because of what's going on inside of your inner ears. And most people don't know that. Anyway, get out. See an audiologist. You'll be happy that you did. Uh, and get your kids there, too, because I, I think a lot of people forget that having hearing problems is not simply an old age or getting older thing. It's a life thing. The second word in today's vocabulary listing is... Mentalist. A mentalist is a performing artist who appears to be psychic and demonstrate highly developed mental or intuitive feats like telepathy, telekinesis, or mind reading. This is very interesting, and you and I are both steeped in loving the things of superpowers inside of comic books. Mm -hmm. And so the actual abilities that are focused on inside this episode and talked about in comics immemorial right. are fun to think about. What I really like about this episode is that it showcases kind of the other side of what happens when if you could read and hear other people's thoughts. Because it's one thing to go, okay, I want to know what Nick is thinking right now. Mike is an idiot. Okay, great, no problem. But what happens when you start hearing everybody's voice because you now can? Right. It reminds me of digging into like x-ray vision where you go, wow, that's really cool. Until you realize that Instead of seeing this incredibly slim, full-breasted, nubile body, that's not what you would see if you had x-ray vision. What you would see is guts and blood and whatever else. And so it wouldn't be all that cool, you know? And it's, it's that same thing of where you, when you actually dig into what a superpower would avail for you. It's not all the roses that everybody thinks it is. Mm. And so I, I I like it when shows like this, and we, we've seen this inside of superhero movies often as well, where the front end of them learning their powers, it's never all that awesome. It's not like, boy, my life sucked before, and then I got superpowers, and now it's great. They're able to show that piece of humanity, and this this episode is filled with it. Oh, yeah. Our third vocabulary word inside this episode is... Charlatan. A charlatan. This kind of goes on piggyback with the whole mentalist thing. In this case, a charlatan is described as a flamboyant deceiver, one who attracts customers with tricks or jokes. So not so much jokes, but definitely tricks in this case, mm -hmm. where Phil and Adam had figured out what the cues are for when they go stand next to somebody uh, arranged it beforehand and then they go on and then they just perform it. And because of what they know, what each other's going to say inside of the event, they know what to say, when to say it. And then the show is over. Right. That's where we ask you guys, what did you come up with in regard to vocabulary inside this episode? Let us know by going over to our website over at curiousgoodspodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Episode rating. Ah, the rating inside the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Hearing perfectly, but with a bloody, throbbing devil tendril inside your head. 
a one is on the bottom of the scale. No one likes living inside of a sleeper couch. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? My thoughts on this episode varied while watching it. This is another one that I remember from my childhood. Mm. And I feel the same way now that I did back then. I always thought it was really interesting that the cursed object was a hearing aid and you could hear thoughts. I was like, that's a, that's an interesting way of doing things where, where reading somebody's mind is concerned. Because superhero-wise, a comic book-wise, a hearing aid would give you super hearing, not not that you can read somebody's thoughts, but what you could hear what was going on down the street or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for them to twist it just a little bit and give you, oh, you have the, the this mental ability. Plus, the aspects of the parameters of the curse for this item is you have a certain amount of storage in your brain that is allowed for you to read thoughts, whether it's just the thoughts of one person or the thoughts of a lot of persons. You've got a limit. Mm-hmm. Once you reach that limit, You've got to expunge those thoughts into somebody else. Somebody's got to die. Well, I mean, it is cursed by the devil. The the pressure has to be relieved. Right. The pressure has to be relieved, Mm -hmm. and it's going to happen either with you being the one who dies or somebody else. So, you know, make your choice. So I I like the fact, because we've talked about it a lot on the show, that sometimes they overcomplicate the rules of the cursed item, and then sometimes there aren't any rules, and then that kind of makes it all loosey-goosey. We mm-hmm. can do whatever we want. Right. And this one is middle of the road. I, I like I like how things are, are flipped just a little bit to make it unique, but there's still rules attached that make sense where the storytelling is concerned. Other than uh, other than that, I, I didn't have any like huge major complaints about this episode. When you take away the things that we're nitpicking about, because we do have to realize, hey, yes, this is late 80s, early 90s television writing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're not going to be delivering us stuff that we're used to today. So for me, this is by far a 10 episode. My thoughts on this episode range during the episode just like yours did. Again, I have a completely different perspective on hearing aids than most have. Mm-hmm. And so the, the front end of this w- it was very interesting because that that sage old first generation cordless hearing aid, well, it's freaking huge for one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and uh, he, he said hypocritically. And so it was it was very interesting to see it. And then how all of that's conveyed, I, I, I had to instantly put all of that out of my brain. Mm-hmm. Because they're telling a story. And so are you going to go along with the storytelling? Or are you going to allow your personal biases to derail everything that you're, you're taking in mm. in regard to entertainment and provide a, a review? And so the answer is, I'm going to provide a review. I think this is an exemplary episode of what this show is. So absolutely starts at a seven. You add on goods, i.e. The, the, the twisty story, in particular from Mickey's character. You add on that you have an incredibly straightforward bad guy. You even add on that I I love the the mantle that they give Jack inside this episode, though it ended up being kind of a an also ran. You know, he comes in and he's essentially the hero at the end, but not really. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side of it, what you've got is you've got the the grotesqueness of what is shown here is a piece that I think would turn off a lot of people. And it doesn't mean that the episode is bad, but it's definitely, a, you know, I can't take the gross stuff. Okay, well, this is not going to be the episode for you, like, at all. Mm. That that first guy in particular, he is doing nothing but grunting and wincing in pain <laughs> and pain right. and bleeding and shit all over the place. So, you're, in the first two minutes of the episode, if you're, if you're in that category, you're pulling, you're pulling the ripcord. Uh, and then every... Every instance of where they show neck stuffage with Adam, it's exactly the same, where it's over the edge. 
So that takes it down a little bit, but all in all, I, I think this is, a, again, a good episode. If somebody says, what is Friday the 13th, the series about? I think this is an episode you can show them and be confident that they're going to get at least all of the parts of what the show is and more. I give this episode an eight. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you give this episode in regard to a rating? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. Ah, the end of yet another episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. Mike, I'm going to stop you right there. Hmm? I know what you're going to say. Hmm. You are going to say, until next time. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And then I'm going to say, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. And then you're going to say, and we'll see you next time. Weren't ya? You know, that's exactly what I was going to say. That is amazing! Mind reading. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Go over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. <laughs> a club. Make sure is, your asshole, your asshole co-host <laughs> is picking you up as you talk. A club is something that you beat somebody over the head with. <laughs> That's a club. Adam is trailing after her as Johnny is close. <laughs> Traveling at five miles an hour like a stalking son of a bitch. You know why I pulled you over? How fast was I going, officer? <laughs> I don't know, five. 70? <laughs> yeah, five. Five miles an hour. Eh? What's the, what's the speed limit? At least 40. <laughs> this time, season three, episode five. Stick it up your rear. 